And if you're going to win souls, you've got to love souls. In spite of their meanness, in spite of the way they look, in spite of everything, you've got to seek to bring souls to Jesus Christ because you love them, because Jesus loved them, and because Jesus died for them, and you're trying to bring them to the Son of God. The Bible says in Psalm 84, 11, my last verse, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. I've based my whole life on that, that it pays to serve God, and I believe that with all my heart. God has given us a guidebook. God has given us a directional map. And that guidebook, that map, is the precious Word of God. Listen, don't just go and sit in the pew. Find some way to serve and serve as a family. Be a part of everything at church. And when you learn to love what God loves, um, your children will learn to love it as well. Homes are not that spiritually strong. We're getting overtaken by the world quickly, but unfortunately, we're pumping all the sewage in. You know, we're letting the world in when that ought to be a haven. If we could see the result of all that God does in every service where the Word of God is lifted and preached, we'd be dumbfounded and amazed at what God does. It's just not about uh, an attendance number on a board. How many people can you get coming faithfully to your church? The purpose of church is not for attendance. The purpose of church is for growth. But if we look in the mirror, we're not perfect either. And the truth is, again, you can't change the other person. You can't get them saved. You can't change their faults. But God can. But you can change your own faults through God's help. The Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! That's my king. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, come to the end of what's best for you, Start doing what's best for the sake of the Savior. Welcome back to Sandy Creek Stirrings. I'm your host, Joshua Jimenez. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today. We are continuing our question and answer series. In our very last episode, episode number 267, we talked about the subject of medical marijuana and a Christian's response to, should we promote it? Should we uh, endorse it? Should we use it? Are we okay with other people using it? What's a Christian's response? And so we talked about that in medical marijuana episode number 267. We are continuing that series here on the podcast today with a very interesting topic, a very interesting question. Let's talk about it today, but as b- before we do, let me encourage you, if you have a question, you can send in that question to joshua at sandycreekstirrings.com. Email me, joshua at sandycreekstirrings.com. You can always reach out to us through Facebook as well. If you just look up the Sandy Creek Stirrings podcast on Facebook, you can find us there. All of our episodes are posted there, all, all updates. If we, ever, if we are ever out for an episode or we're not posting an episode that week, 
you can find those updates there on our Facebook page. So you'll want to join that, be part of that little community there, and uh, take part in that so you know exactly what is happening on the Sandy Creek Stirrings podcast. As always, you can visit our website, sandycreekstirrings.com. There contained is all of our information about the podcast, where the name come from, who am I, and then, of course, our episode list as well. So let me encourage you, though. You have a question, send it in, joshua at Sandy Creek Stirrings. I've had some people ask me before, Josh, what is the most common question you get? Now, there are a lot of questions that I, that I get in ministry that are very common. But this one in children's ministry and youth ministry, I don't know. This may be, I, I think it's definitely top three. It may be number one. It may be number one. I get this question so, so often from children, from teenagers, and little old ladies. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just started it off wrong. And uh, But I get this question so often in children's ministries that it's it's super, super common. I don't know. As a as someone who has worked in children's ministries for years, that sounds. I'm, I'm still a young man, but I've been working in junior church and children's ministries for 15 years now, and I've been running the junior church ministry here and the teen ministry for the past eight years, nine years or so here at Victory Springs. This is a very common question I get. You say, what's the question? Well, you saw the title. You know what the question is. Here's the question. Do animals go to heaven when they die? Do animals go to heaven when they die? Now, some may laugh or even mock this question. But the truth is, to many people who have loved an animal or have watched an animal die, it does bear a weight in its answer. Like weight, as in like W-E. I-G-H-T, I almost couldn't remember how to spell it. It carries a heaviness. It carries a burden. And again, some may, some may think this is a, a trivial question, but believe it or not, this can be an extremely touchy subject. We actually had someone who years ago, um, they left the church because of the answer, the response to this question about whether or not animals die and go to heaven. Now, we can go to Scripture and begin to get some answers in regards to this question of whether or not animals go to heaven. We're going to talk about that today. Genesis chapter 1, if you want to follow along, if this is a question you might have, a question you haven't really thought of before. By the way, let me encourage you, if you're a youth worker, teen worker, you, you want to have a good answer for this question. You're going to get asked this question. You want a good answer. And by the way, let me just tell you as well, junior church worker, youth director, pastor, whatever, you you also don't want to treat this as a trivial subject because to some people, again, it's very important. To some people, there's a lot of weight to this the answer. And if you if you do it in a mocking tone, if you do it in jest, if you do it in a way that is not appropriate for the subject, after all, I, I understand it's an animal. We are talking about death here. Okay, so when we get to this, you need to make sure you not only have a good quality answer, but you need to make sure you present that answer in the right light. Because honestly, you can present it in a way that will be offensive to some people. Whereas if you gave the answer, the same answer, the same content, but you presented it in a different way, it might lead to a better response 
response by that person who is asking the question. Genesis chapter 1, verses 20 through 23 gives us the fifth day of creation. Creation was absolutely incredible because God, he simply spoke the world into existence by his word. He spoke it and boom, there it was. I mean, it was amazing, incredible. And notice what God says, what he creates with his words in verses 20 and 21 of Genesis 1. Now, I'm going to read it to you. If you're able to follow along, great. Genesis 1, verses 20 through 21 say this, And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. So God speaks, and he creates everything in the ocean and in the air. So he creates water creatures like crabs and shrimp and sharks and whales and stingrays and jellyfish and clownfish and and bass. Ooh, I love some bass. And some bass. I like catching bass. Bass, if you ask me, my favorite fish to fish for. (laughs) I don't know if this is appropriate. Don't insert this into your answer, youth director. Um, But I love to fish for bass, all right? So that may not be appropriate for the subject we're discussing. And uh, But crawdads, eels, you name it. You're like, crawdads? What's that? Crawfish, y'all. Okay, crawfish, we call them crawdads down here. Eels, you name it. If it's in the water, God made it. Then we talk about like things that fly, winged fowl, parrots and toucans and crows and turkey and dove and doves and pigeons and owls and hawks and eagles and you name it. God created them all by his word. God made each of these with his word. I mean, again, going back to the start of the, the passage, and God said. Now, In Genesis chapter 1, verses 24 through 31, it tells of what God made with his words on day number, here we are, ready? Day number six. Day six continues the theme of God making things, creating things with his word, and he begins in chapter one, but day number six with the animals on earth. Genesis 1, verses 24 through 25 say this, And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creatures after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. So God, with his word, creates every creature of the earth. I mean, snakes and bears and lions and deer and moose and giraffes and elephants and dogs and cats, God made them all. Then on day six, God says something very, very important you need to take note of. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 27 says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Notice the phrase in that passage where he says, let us make, let us make. This is different than anything else you're going to see in the rest of Genesis 1. Why? Because God goes into the detail of this making man. 
In Genesis chapter 2, we can go see this detail. Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 through 8, describes how God made man. Let us make man. It tells us the details of that, Genesis 2, verses 7 through 8. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. When God said, let us make, he was referring to a very special type of creation. It was was separate from everything else. This creation he would form with his very hands. He would mold this creation. He would make it as nothing else had been created. And then God, you can see in that passage, God breathed life into this creation. And the Bible says that through the breath of God, that man became a living soul. Why would God do that? Because while everything else was created for man, I mean, the earth, the air, the stars, the sun, the moon, the land, the sea, even the animals. That's why man in Genesis chapter 1, we just read a little bit ago, man is to have dominion over all those things, control over all those things. Everything up until this point on day 6, everything was created for man, but you'll find here a transition. Why would God make him? Why would God form him? Why would God give him a living soul and breathe into him and become a living soul? Why? Because while everything else was created for man, man was created for God. God created man to fellowship with him. And he wanted this fellowship to never end, so he made this fellowship to be an eternal thing. That's why he created man to be a soul. God breathed into man, making him a living soul. And here's the thing, a soul lasts forever. That is why... Our soul continues after death. That's why we ask people, if you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? That very question acknowledges the fact that man is a living soul, meaning even if he dies in earthly death, his soul continues on. When considering the question of if whether or not animals go to heaven when they die, We notice when reading this passage a very clear distinction between man and animal. Man was created with and has a soul. You cannot say that of an animal. Nowhere in Scripture do you find where God breathes life into an animal and gives animals a living soul. That was something specifically and special reserved for man. So do animals die and go to heaven? Well, the answer is very simply, but also very tactfully, no. Do animals go to heaven when they die? No, because they do not have a living soul. When an animal dies, it dies. It's a rather simple answer, but for many it's a very difficult one. We fall in love with animals. We create a bond with them. And God intended for man to enjoy animals. The bond and relationship between a person and an animal can be very, very special. It can create an attachment. It can at points be a relationship like no other on earth. For, for example, put your wife in a crate for a couple hours and see how mad she is when you open it up. 
but but do it to your dog, and he's super happy to see you when you open up the crate, no matter how long he's been in there. Animals were created for us to enjoy. That's why people cry at movies like Old Yeller. The bond is real. We've, we did an episode with Brother Dave Summerdorf, Evangelist Dave Summerdorf, uh, episodes and hundreds of episodes ago, literally, and um, did an interview episode with him. If you know him personally, you know he's a man's man. He's a military veteran. But he told me the story of when their dog died and how hard it was. Their kids had all left the house. That The dog was the, the, the child in the home, if we could put it that way. He talked about how hard it was. He said that he had always thought it was weird how how hard people took it when their pet died until their little doggy died. I remember as a kid, we had a Brittany Spaniel. I think Brittany Spaniel's maybe the most beautiful dog there is. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go look it up. Brittany Spaniels are just a beautiful dog. But we had a Brittany Spaniel when I was a kid by the name of Jake. We lived in Carthage, Missouri at the time, but Jake had a problem. We'd gotten him from the from the pound, from the Humane Society, but he did come with a problem. You see, where we lived in Carthage, Missouri, we lived on a on a on, on a road, and across the road was a large field. And in that field lived a whole bunch of rabbits. And Jake's problem was that he liked to cross the road and chase rabbits. Well, if you know anything about dogs and roads, they don't really mix. They aren't good for each other. And one day I remember I was over at a friend's house, and my mom and dad came and picked me up before bedtime. And there in the car they had told me that Jake had crossed the road and had gotten hit by a car and had been killed. I remember as a kid, I was a three-year-old boy. It was my dog, and there's a picture of me with my arms around his neck. Like, I love that dog. I love Jake. And for years and years and years, I had Jake's collar, even until a couple of years ago. I'm sure it's in a box somewhere. I'm sure I still have his collar. Um, anyway, um, but I, I still have it somewhere, I'm sure. But for years, I had Jake's collar. I love that dog. It was so hard when he died. When we lived in Hattiesburg, Missouri, we had someone call us. They had a golden retriever that had shown up on their farm. They they didn't know where it came from, if I remember, remember the story correct. And uh, they said, if you want him, he's yours. So we drove out there and got this golden retriever. He was the most, and I must be biased, it's okay, but he was the most beautiful golden retriever I have ever seen in my life. He was just a handsome fella. And uh, his name, we decided to name him Shadow. You know, like Shadow from Homeward Bound. Some of you have no clue. If you're a little bit older, you probably remember the movie Homeward Bound with the Golden Retriever, the American Pitbull, and the cat, and they get lost, and they have to make their way back home. And so as a kid, I loved that movie. I loved Homeward Bound, so he obviously became Shadow. And he had a problem, too, though. All my dogs have had problems now that I think about it. I've never had a normal dog. All of you are like, my dog's perfect. I never had to put my dog in a crate ever. My dogs have never been like that. My dogs are, like, stupid. and But anyway, he had a problem. He liked to go visit the neighbor's female dog. And finally, the neighbor got so fed up with it that he told us, he said, I'm going to shoot your dog if it comes back. This is Mississippi, y'all. This is back in the early 2000s, okay? He said, I'm going to shoot your dog if it comes back. We had a fenced-in backyard, chain link. Put Shadow back in there. 
Shadow was an escape artist, though. We had a little shed that sat on a little concrete pad over by the fence. Shadow figured something out. Shadow figured out that if you went behind the shed, there was a little ledge of that concrete sticking out, and if he got on that concrete, he was just tall enough to be able to jump over the, con- over, over the fence. We did, my, my parents announced that we would be moving. We were moving to Florida to accept a position on staff at the Winkler Road Baptist Church. This was back in 2004, I believe, 2005, somewhere in there. And so we were leaving for Florida. We got everything packed up. We said goodbye to friends, goodbye to family. It was the very last night. We've got the U-Haul truck packed. We're going to be leaving for Florida in the morning. Next morning, early, early, Shadow's out to go to the bathroom. Shadow's gone. Where Shadow went, nobody knows. We called and called and called and looked and looked and looked for Shadow and called and called, Shadow! Shadow! And uh, six-year-old boy, seven-year-old boy, Shadow! Shadow! He's not coming back. He's gone. We left Mississippi that day, having never found Shadow. I mean, we got to Florida. We moved into our house. Every time I would hear a rustle in the bushes, I was like, da 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 shadow. And you don't know what that is. That's the soundtrack for Homeward Bound. Anyway, um, I thought he came back. I thought he found us. You know, just like the movie, it's real life. Uh, we never found him. It was hard. Animals are, animals are great. We create a bond with them. We love them. And God, by the way, commands us to take responsibility when it comes to animals. God gave Adam the responsibility of having dominion, having control over the animals, and naming them. There was a responsibility there, even from the beginning. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 10 says, A righteous man regardeth the life of his beast. God says, hey, if you want to be righteous, if you want to be right, right, if you want to live a right life, if you have an animal, you're supposed to regard his life, you're supposed to take care of him. Very interesting that God would put that there in the book of Proverbs, a scriptural command that if you have an animal, you are responsible to take care of him. If you cannot take care of that animal, you should not have that animal. God cares about animals. Luke chapter 12, verse 6 proves it. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Think about that. This passage is saying you can buy five sparrows for two farthings. Not a whole lot of money. I mean, just buy them a, a, you know, just a dime will buy a bushel of sparrows. I don't know what they're doing with them, but but you can just go down to the local supermarket, you know, throw a nickel at them and you get a bushel of sparrows. Uh, I don't know. But not one single one is forgotten before God. The Bible talks about how a sparrow doesn't even fall to the ground and God notices Think about this. God saved animals from the flood. Now, not all of them. Of course, some of them died in the flood, but he preserved those bloodlines. He preserved those species. He preserved those animals. This shows us that God cared about preserving the animals. The Bible is clear that you should take good care of animals that you have under you. Now, let me also kind of turn the corner real quick. I do think that animals and animal laws, more specifically, not necessarily animals, but animal laws, have gotten out of hand in the United States. 
for years they've cried, save the whales and save the baby seals, when they really should have been crying, save the unborn babies. The priorities are out of place. And while I'm going to turn a very harsh corner, and if you're very sensitive, then this you may want to shut me off now. But I, I want to be real, and you know that here on Sandy Creek Stirrings, I've said from day one, I'm just going to be honest, I'm going to be frank. If this is the platform for me to be harsh, then this is the—no. If there's a place for me to be harsh, then this is the platform to do it. So, brace yourselves. Let's just be real. Animals are not humans. We have to keep the priorities right. You're like, that's harsh? To some people, that is very harsh. Animals are not humans. I know people who their animals are everything to them. It's not a matter of it being a tough time when their dog dies. It's a matter of going into depression, having to go on medication, having a short hospital visit, and having to go into therapy for months and months. It becomes something that's a little out of place. By the way, it's not uncommon for us to misplace our priorities. We get so focused on ourselves and our lives instead of God. That is a different area where we do the same thing, where we misplace our priorities. Can I just remind you, God should be first in our lives. And when we put ourselves and our lives and our own agenda above God, we misplace our priorities. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Notice, but seek ye first. Colossians chapter 1 verse 18 says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. I ask you this. Let's just take a spiritual turn for, for a second and, and talk about how we can take this question home today and use it. I ask you this. What is it in your life that has taken the preeminence? Preeminence means first, first place. What is it in your life that has taken the throne of your heart? Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's a job that has taken the throne of your heart. Can I just say this real quick? And, and this is going to seem harsh to some, but it's, it's just reality. We covered it in episode number 26, The Faithful Failure Too Many Christians Make. So I'm going to be frank, and, and you may not disagree with me, or you may disagree with me. Maybe you won't, maybe you will. You may disagree with me, but this is reality. This is biblical. And if you don't believe me, go back and listen to episode number 26 before you send me a sharp email. Go back and listen to that episode, then, then we'll talk about it. But truth be told, I know too many people who have gotten their career and their job ahead of God because they miss church for work. Well, I have to provide for my family. Well, I, if, I, if I don't work on Sunday, I'm going to lose my job. Again, go back and listen to episode number 26. That's not, that's not a spiritual outlook. That's not a biblical outlook. The Bible, in fact, says, I can say this very firmly because we can prove it from Scripture, the Bible says that it's wrong to miss church for work. Now, I know that comes as a shock to some, as a blow to some. You're like, wait, it does? Go back and listen to episode number 26, The Faithful Failure Too Many Christians Make. But the reality is some people have allowed their career to take first place. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's a personal interest. Maybe it's worry. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's pride. 
And if we aren't careful, we can allow things in our life to take an improper place. Look, going to the store isn't to pick up milk. It's an opportunity to pass out a gospel tract. Going to a church function isn't an obligation. It's a chance to fellowship and be involved. Loving our wives isn't a job. It's a pleasure to serve. Going to work isn't a have to. It's, a, it's an opportunity to be an example. Working hard isn't a requirement. It's a chance to show God that we love Him. Here's the question I want you to answer today. How are your priorities? How are your priorities? Now, let's get back to the original question. On that point of animals and death, I think these times, these times of death and animals and things like that, really present us a great opportunity for us to talk to our children and be reminded of death and the fragility of life. Don't try and skirt the issue. There's no need to lie about it. The, the goldfish upside down in the, in the tank isn't isn't sunbathing. He, he's dead. I had a friend whose four-year-old son, he had a four-year-old son, and the four-year-old son's hamster died while he was at school. When he got home, he ran up to the little enclosure where they kept his hamster, and the hamster was gone. He said, Mom and Dad, where's my hamster? This is what they told him. He went on a vacation to Hawaii. <laughs> That's literally what they told him. They, they told him that the hamster went on a vacation to Hawaii. And they waited and waited and waited and waited until the pet store had a hamster that looked just like the one that died and then one day he came home from school and his hamster had returned from his Hawaiian vacation. <laughs> oh my goodness. Look, there's no need to lie. There's no need to make up stories to try and ease the pain. That's why people have honestly made up this idea that animals go to heaven when they die because they want to make it easier. But really what it is, it's an avoidance, it's an, an avoidance of a teaching moment. It's not a matter of making it easier. It's a matter of you're avoiding a, a perfect teaching opportunity. This is the perfect time to discuss death and the fragility of life with our children. It reminds us that, hey, life is short. People need salvation. It reminds us of our, of our responsibility to share the gospel. It reminds us to keep our priorities straight. It reminds us to say, I love you daily. It reminds us to enjoy life and not get sidetracked by worries and woes. Look, it's okay. Can I just say this real quick? Christians, I think, sometimes get caught up in this thing where you have to be so serious and, oh, life, you know, we're all going to die one day and salvation and all that. Yes, and that's all true. But at the same time, you can enjoy life. God meant for you to be able to enjoy life and not get sidetracked by worries and woe. It reminds us to comfort those that are hurting. It reminds us to keep our eyes on Christ. This is a great teaching moment. Don't forget that. Now, just because animals do not have a soul and they do not go to heaven, does that mean that there won't be any animals in heaven? I don't know. The Bible doesn't really say for sure. 
But it does give us some insights. Revelation 6, Revelation 9, Revelation 19 talk about horses in heaven. From that passage, we can kind of infer that there must be some sort of animal life in heaven, whether it's going to be the same as on earth. Will there be all the same creatures on earth? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say for sure. Isaiah 11, referencing the new heavens and the new earth that God will create, references animal life within that. He says, Isaiah 11, verses 6 through 9, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, speaking of a goat, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them, and the cow and the bear shall feed, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on a cockatrice's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. By the way, asp and cockatrice are both a reference to venomous snakes. So will there be animals in heaven? I think you can very clearly say that horses, probably definitely there's going to be horses in heaven. And to another degree, we also definitely see that animal life is planned for, in some fashion, the new earth, the new heaven, And notice also that it is familiar animals, lions and bears and cows and oxen and and snakes, and that sounds terrible, um, but but lambs and leopards and and calves and, and goats, all these are here. We see them, they're familiar animals. So there really is no reason to believe that there won't be animals in heaven. It almost appears that that God will maybe remake some of these animals to a degree. I'm not saying that's the truth. I'm saying that that's what I'm kind of gathering from this passage. They're all familiar animals. They're listed as being on the new earth. I'm not sure how that all works. We're going to find out what a day that will be. It's going to be very interesting when we get up to heaven how exactly things are going to be. God says we can't even comprehend it. I'm ready. I'm ready. The older I get, the more I'm ready for Christ to return. Can I ask you this? Are you looking forward to his return? Are you ready? The Bible reminds us to be ready. So how are you doing at telling others about his return? Hope that helps you answer that question today, gives you some things to think about. If you have any questions, you can send those in joshua at sandycreekstirrings.com. Email me, joshua at sandycreekstirrings.com. Until next time, my friend, keep looking up and keep stirred up for the cause of Christ.